As indicated in your order of worship, our scripture lesson today is from 2 Corinthians. I hope it's one that is familiar to you. As we think about this sermon series, this new sermon series is a three-part series. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Listen for the word of the Lord from Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. So now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view, even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to them the message of reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. A sacrament is a visible or a visual way of seeing something that's, that's holy, it's sacred, it's, it's set apart. In our United Methodist tradition, we have two sacraments. We have the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of communion. And the reason why we only have two, other traditions have more, all traditions have these two, but others have a more extensive list, but Christ only commanded, in our belief and understanding of Scripture, for the church to do two things. One is go into all the world and baptize and proclaim the good news. And then the other is what we hear and read about on our, our paws and, and on our tables. Do this in remembrance of me. It's a, a commandment explicitly given by Christ himself. In this text, the Catholic Church, for example, has picked up a, a sacrament from Paul's writings, the ministry of, of reconciliation. But we adhere only to these two, baptism and communion. So we're focusing uh, for the next three weeks on this communion liturgy, this part of our communion liturgy. It's called the epiclesis. It means a calling forth or a calling down. Uh, there's a point in our communion liturgy where we say, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts. And the idea is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, something so ordinary can become extraordinary. Something so ordinary as bread and wine becomes a means of God's own grace. And then later in that same liturgy, we say, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. So here's the question. Here's the thing I'm, I'm thinking about for the next three weeks. What if with that threefold prayer, making us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry with the world, what if we use that to guide every decision that we make? What if every morning when we awake, we say, Lord, make us one with Christ. Make me one with Christ. Will the, allow the world through me to know that I am one with Christ and with other people and therefore in ministry with all the world. How would that shape 
who we are and how we go about our daily lives. We could ask it at the beginning of every work area. How will this decision reflect that we are being made one with Christ? We could ask it at business meetings. We can ask it on the ball field for some of our students or in the rehearsal halls. How will what I'm doing show others that I am one with Christ? Do you know that, that on communion Sundays, our worship is different? We use a different liturgy because liturgy shapes us into something new. And we recite alternate prayers because prayer changes us and words create worlds. We sing different choruses on communion Sundays because singing can be a key that unlocks a different kind of portal to God. And we say that this bread is the body of Christ and this cup is his blood. And, and that's a little odd if we're being honest. And you'll be invited in just a moment to come down this center aisle. And you'll be given a piece of bread with your hands presented this way. You'll, you'll be given a piece of bread and you'll dip it in a common cup. And, and you'll pray right here for as long as you want. And maybe you're praying, you're thinking about the things that you've experienced this past week or whatever it is that you're facing or relationships. Or maybe you're praying for your family, the person seated around you. But you can pray as long as you want. But, but when, you, when you get back up, you go and, and you return a different way to your seat. And that's on purpose, you know, because the sacraments change us. We're never intended to engage the sacrament and be the same. And we pass the peace, this liturgical practice that's foreign to us 21st century Protestants. We don't know if we're supposed to shake hands or hug or if we're supposed to mention the football game. I've had people during the passing of the peace say, Roll Tide and War Eagle, and I say, and also with you, you know? <laughs> just, just lay it out there. Uh -huh. on, on Communion Sundays, worship is, is different. Purposefully so. There's a preacher in the Pacific Northwest who tells about the passing of the peace in, in his tradition. And he writes that, that no one thought much about the weekly ritual until the pastor received a letter from a man who had just come forth previously and, and joined the, the congregation there through the membership vows. And he was a young adult, and he was a prestigious lawyer in a downtown law firm. And this lawyer on letterhead drafted a letter to the preacher and said, I'm writing to complain about the congregational ritual known as passing of the peace. I disagree with it both personally and professionally and I'm prepared to take legal action to the cause so that this will cease. So the pastor called the man, and he asked why he was so disturbed about passing the peace, and he said, the passing of the peace is an invasion of my privacy. The pastor's response to this man is where we find truth for the Christian life. He said, well, like it or not, when you joined this church, you gave up some of your privacy, because we believe in a risen Lord who will never leave us alone. And he said, you never know when Christ will intrude on us with a word of peace. And not only that, but we believe in, in a community of faith, and we believe in the communion of saints, so we really have given up some of our privacy if we're doing the faith like we're supposed to. If we don't receive and share the peace of Christ with one another, then how will the world ever know that that peace exists?
Each time we share this meal, we pray an important prayer. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. And I think if we're serious about praying that prayer, make us one with Christ, that the starting point is peace. It's what every single one of us have come to experience, to find. It's what every person in your spheres of influence are searching for is peace. Life is so chaotic. We need peace. So what does it mean to pray, make us one with Christ? Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, there in that time and space is something new. The old has passed away. And something new is, is forming. Today is World Communion Sunday, and the operative word for today is communion or union or unity, oneness. Because in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of this cup, what we're acknowledging today is that with brothers and sisters, Christians, past, present, and future, we're bound together by the powerful and the peaceful spirit of Christ. Today we remember Jesus' betrayal when he was sold out and abandoned by his friends and family. Anybody ever felt that way? We remember that Jesus willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice for the entire human race. And through the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood, the world would be reconciled to God. Today we're, we're taking part, we're remembering that in Christ and the cross event, the world the totality of our sins came crashing down and they were even buried in the ground in a tomb with a stone. But that's not the rest of the story. That up from the grave he would arise. Something new began. And if anyone is in that Christ, there is a new creation. So we pray by your spirit, make us one with, with that Christ who was willing to sacrifice it all. Make us one with that Christ whose love so freely poured out for people who didn't even deserve it. Make us one with that Christ whose work is about making this world new. Make us one with, with that Christ who cared so much about people in the margins that that's exactly where he went to do his ministry. Make us one with that Christ who was willing to take on an empire and who made the world rethink entirely who God is. Paul's favorite phrase in his writings is in Christ. So the implication of this prayer is that our newness in Christ, in, being in Christ and Christ in us, means that something new is happening, but something old is passing away. John, on the island of Patmos, he picked up that as well. You'll remember that from, from Revelation 21. Behold, I make all things what? New, yes. A new heaven and a new earth. There's coming a day when there will be no more crying. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more weeping or brokenness. There's coming a day when Christ will make all things new and it's happening starting right now. It's one of the questions I have that I've had this week in this text, and I invite you to think about them as well, is what are the former things that need to pass away in your life so that a new creation may begin? Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. 
Maybe it's a previous standard for how we rate others and judge others. Maybe it's former biases. Those realities are former. There's something new that's happening in Christ. So I want to go back very quickly. Why the passing, why the passing of this peace? Because in that moment, here's why, we've, we've made our confession. We've received pardon. We've shared God's pardon. And in, in that brief moment, we're practicing the beginning steps of reconciliation through the peace of Christ. We're letting go of the old and taking on and stepping into something new. There's a man named Paul Ryan, not that Paul Ryan, a blogger in the Reformed tradition named Paul Ryan. He says, as we practice passing the peace, it's hard to imagine that a simple handshake could ever degrade into a fist. How could the same hand that embraces the frail hand of the elderly or the trembling hand of the sick, or the tentative hand of the introvert, or the rough and calloused hand of a laborer, or the soft hand of a child, how could that kind of hand ever be considered a weapon? How could the hand that is regularly trained in worship to extend peace be such a cause of division? In that simple gesture, friends, is the beginning of peace and the understanding of what it means to be made one with Christ. I believe it was Frederick Beekner who used the imagery of closed and open hands to describe the way that, that all of us tend to live our, our lives. Uh, closed hands make fists, and fists pound on stuff. Some preachers pound on their pulpits. I don't do that unless you all go to sleep. Yeah, fists punch. Fists clench and control money and power and relationships, and we just grit and we tense up. But, but open hands, they become a posture to receive. Open hands become a posture to share. Open hands are how I, I tend to pray throughout the week as a sign of receptivity to what God is up to and wants with me. Open hands are the ones with which we pass the peace. So i got to ask you, is, is your life right now, do you feel like it's like this or more like this? When we pray, by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, we're demanding peace among the chaos. We're praying for unity despite all the divisions. We're calling for Christ to never leave us alone, but to take us by his own hand. And we're expecting the world to sense that there's something different about us. There was a woman being tailgated in, in traffic by a very stressed out man on a highly trafficked street during the, the most highly trafficked time of the day, around five o'clock. And suddenly the light turned yellow just in front of her and she did the right thing. She, she stopped. Now, how many of you being in church would have sped up, right? Yeah. Light turns yellow, she, she stopped, she did the right thing at the crosswalk, and she could have easily made it. The man didn't hit her, but was following so close, he was furious that she didn't speed up. So he lays on his horn, he spills his coffee, his cell phone goes flying, the papers in the passenger seat end up in the floorboard. The man was fit to be tied. And so he started ranting and raving at this woman, and, and about mid-rant, he heard a tap on his window, and he looked up 
and he saw a very serious face of a police officer and the officer said you need to get out of the car and he took him down to the station where he was searched and he was fingerprinted and he was photographed and he was placed in a, a holding cell and after a couple of hours this policeman he came up to the cell and he opened the door and the man was escorted back to the to the booking desk and the officer was there with all the man's personal effects and he said I'm so sorry for this mistake sir you see I pulled up behind this car while you were blowing your horn and flipping the girl off in front of you and cussing a blue streak at her and banging on your steering wheel. And, and that's when I noticed on one side of your bumper you have a what would Jesus do bumper sticker. And then I noticed uh, the follow me to Sunday school sticker in the middle. And then I saw this Christian emblem on the other side. And so I just figured the car was stolen. Right? <laughs> If anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. In that space of your heart, if we're made one with Christ, something new is happening. Maybe that affects your driving habits, we'll see. But more importantly, I, I hope it begins to change the way we see people in this world. Because I hope that to be made one with Christ helps us to see people and this world as God sees them. So we're going to do something as we prepare now for Holy Communion. We're going to have a little time of prayer here together, and it's an activity. I'm going to invite you to, with prayerful hearts, to do this. We're going to invite you to make a couple of fists and think about the things in your life to which you are clinging so tightly. The shame and the guilt, stress, anxiety, family issues, diagnoses, things that just... Mm. And I'm going to invite you to just start praying that that would be released and given over to God. Because as you come forward, you're going to have open palms and we're going to give you some bread and you're going to dip it and there's this time to begin being made new with Christ right here. And here's the thing about grace is that whether you're sitting there now with clenched fists or or with open palms, however you come and however it is you'll leave. The thing about grace is we're all welcome here. There's space enough for all of us. Thanks be to God.